welcome to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are queer to answer your questions. My name's Cheyenne. And I'm Gina. And today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. So we've obviously covered uh, about a year's worth of topics now, and we've gotten some questions from listeners that didn't necessarily fit into the topics that we've done in past episodes. So we've compiled a big list of those now, and we're going to answer them for you today. Think of this as like a study hall more than an actual (laughs) class, you know, like Class isn't quite in session, but we're here and we're still going to be, you know, filling in all the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, cramming for finals over here. <laughs> Trying yeah, to compile yeah, everything we've Crunch learned. time. We yes. did bring 50 regular episodes. That's a lot of classes to have taken. Mm-hmm. So we've earned a little goof off study hall time, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So one of the first questions we got, and this is going to be all over the place, just prefacing that now because yeah. they, they do not go along with each other at all. But one of the first questions we got was how to navigate dating slash receiving attention and being clear about what's going on with not wanting to label your sexuality. A lot of queer people are pretty respectable about the journey that we go on as queer people. And I know both of us have mentioned either being on one side or the other of an interaction where one person has way more experience than the other and is nicely and healthily and warmly guiding them through. Not to say that you need like a, you know, a guide or anything, but I think that you're allowed to tell people where you're at and they Mm -hmm. should meet you where you're at. Like that's an an expectation and a boundary you're allowed to set is like, meet me where I'm at right now. Um, And you also don't ever have to label your sexuality even if you don't know what's going on now if even if you figure it out you also don't have to put a label to it you can just like not have one it's that's fine Mm -hmm. and just date who you want to date um in terms of receiving attention maybe you might have to like initiate some of that just so that you're getting the attention you want um and also like make sure you tell people the attention you don't want but Mm -hmm. it's totally fine to not want to label anything yeah I was kind of reading it from the assumption that we're talking about maybe straight men hitting on this person um so like Mm. I do think the queer community at like at large would be more accepting of (laughs) not labeling things and like Mm -hmm you know, that sort of thing. But I think straight men are, (laughs) a lot of them are very entitled and are like, why don't you want me? And like, you could say like, oh, I'm a lesbian, I'm gay. And sometimes that deters them. A lot of the time it doesn't anyways. So it doesn't really help the situation. But I was like reading it from the perspective of how do I tell this person that I don't want them Mm. and like explain why. And it's because I'm queer. And I, I think that just comes down to like, kindly um rejecting them if they deserve that like I don't know that's their issue to deal with of like why they're facing rejection and like how they're gonna handle it like it's not your job to like minimize their feelings or whatever like I don't think you need to like walk them through that um and even if you decided that you were a lesbian or something you don't have to tell them that while rejecting them so I think that is their issue but Gina do you have any advice for how to handle those kinds of conversations 
I mean, I agree with what you said. Like, you don't owe anybody an explanation. Mm -hmm. I recently saw, like, I guess a quote from, like, the Olsen twins is, Mm -hmm. no is a full sentence. Mm -hmm. That's accurate. You could just say, like, no, I'm not interested. I do agree with what you said. Like, sometimes men are like, but why? They, like, need Mm -hmm. you to give a reason. And the reason has to be, like, good enough for them, which is weird. Um, You don't need to give them one. You can just be like, because I said no mm-hmm. bye yeah. yeah and I know a lot of like straight women will like tell men like oh I'm a lesbian when they want to reject them and mm-hmm. they just like don't realize like the can of worms that opens right. um but I know like especially as a queer person saying that can be like very harmful or dangerous so I'm like trying to think of other approaches that you can take if the no with the period at the end isn't working. I'm very partial to barking at random men that (laughs) try to talk to me. Like I'll just start barking at them or just like, just, I don't know, be like weird as fuck, like make them afraid of you and make them regret approaching you. And you don't necessarily have to be like threatening or aggressive or dangerous doing that. Just be weird as fuck so that they're like, this person's crazy (laughs) and walk away. So another question that we have, how do I know if I'm a traumatized bisexual or a lesbian? So I don't want it to seem like I'm making a joke of this, but like you can also be a traumatized lesbian, like <laughs> traumatized. That's true. Like, you know, just a bisexual thing. If you're saying, you know, you don't want to be with men for whatever reason, and you don't know if it's because you've had these traumatic experiences or you're a lesbian, like you can be bisexual and have a preference for women, choose to only date women, choose to only have sex with women, but you can be like still physically attracted to men, but for whatever reason, choose to not pursue relationships with them. Like that's right. an option that I feel like a lot of people overlook. That's and what like, I'm oh, choosing I to do right now. <laughs> yeah. What you said, you can be whatever and have a preference. Like you could be bisexual and just also decide I never want to date men again. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just kind of like a D centering of men from your life. And even with you, Jamie, like a lot of people are like, how you choose to live your life that means you are a lesbian like you're not bisexual because you don't want to have relationships with men even though you are like attracted it's just like so complex and there's so many like variations on sexuality and how we choose to express that and I think it just is whatever term feels best to you but for anybody who looks at my lifestyle and is like, you're living as a lesbian, like, mm-hmm. is that true? Absolutely. But then if you're going to say that to me, well, then you're a lesbian. So then anybody who's in a heterosexual, but is bisexual, mm-hmm. they're hetero. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not true. And what's, an, what's, and this isn't, this isn't me calling you out. This is more like yeah. for everyone else who needs to hear yeah. this for anybody who's like, says like, I need to be this, or I am a lesbian or whatever. It's annoying that I have to talk about the men that I am attracted to, to like prove mm-hmm. or like the things I would do or like yeah. this and that, like, it's annoying to have to do that on this side of things. And like, I thought I left that with the straight people. <laughs> yeah. So for like the gays and I have like, I have one friend and I love her to death, but she does annoy me. Cause she's like, you're a lesbian. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. No, actually, I, I do participate in lesbian culture and I do call myself like a lesbian all the time. But as a gay person, you should know that that is a very open term. And like 
to try mm-hmm. and put me in a box like how that's so not queer of you that's so weird mm-hmm. I don't know and you wouldn't do that to like the bi girl who married a man before she realized she was bi and doesn't want to leave that marriage for all these like mm-hmm. compet reasons or whatever the fuck else that she you're not going to judge her because there's no reason you should she's living the life that she was dealt and where she's at and whatever I'm doing the same thing just on the opposite spectrum. The reason mm-hmm. I don't want to be with men isn't necessarily because I'm not attracted to them. It's because society fucking sucks and men are the problem. And like, <laughs> if the world was different, both sides of the spectrum could be with other people, but it's not. And you've even said before, like, why do we live our life with these what ifs and this what if one mm-hmm. person like for, you know, whatever I'm a, like, if I, I'm allowed to be on this side of the spectrum and still be pansexual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of want to explore the thing you said about how, if a bisexual woman is with a man, how people like are like, oh, you're heterosexual um, Mm -hmm. versus you with a woman or when you've dated other non-men and they're like, oh, you're a lesbian now. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's like, I don't know if it's because like society sees everything like so black and white like there's not like gray areas or what but I I also will hear more like bisexual women who are with men say like oh I wish I had a girlfriend blah 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 and I feel like I hear fewer of them say things like I'm never gonna date a woman again and that does happen like obviously we've all had bad experiences with different people and we use that as like a paintbrush to like Mm -hmm. color all of our other experiences um but like I feel like I do hear queer women who are with women say like I'll never be with a man again or I don't want to date men a little more often and mm-hmm. like I wonder like not I'm not saying like that I'm not trying to invalidate their sex sexuality at all with this but I wonder like where the difference with that lies like I wonder if it's because the queer women who like have predominantly been with men maybe have been with fewer women versus the queer women who are with women have usually been with more men you know what I mean like so their experience levels are different I don't I don't know what the like thought behind that is or what's going on there but it's just like weird to like think about what you hear versus what you don't really hear I think that's a lot of compet because there's more opportunity to have had relationships Mm -hmm. with men so obviously there are women who never explore relationships with men but because of compet Mm -hmm. and because of a lot of what like us have lived through not coming out till later we have had experiences with men. And because again, society creates these gender norms and things, not all of our experiences with men have been Mm -hmm. incredible. And so I think if comp hat didn't exist, those patterns wouldn't either because it's just more common to have dated men. So the the women who are in relationships with men are like, oh, well, I didn't get to experience Mm -hmm. this thing that's less common. And those of us who left the men are like, I'm not going back because Mm -hmm. I know what it's like. And I know what pillars society is going to put onto me and I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Compat's the answer. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I just like hearing you say that I was like thinking about the opposite kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, that's interesting to like consider. I don't know. No, it Uh, is. (laughs) It is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So pivoting a little bit, 
The next question we have is, why do the most heteronormative white people proclaim they are oppressed by the queer community? Um, white people have a lot of issues and obviously I am a white person and I'm not grouping myself into the people that I'm about to explain because I do not see myself as a victim or something. Mm. But I think that a lot of the problem with white people is that there's this lack of community because it's this dominant culture and there's no need to find community. The community is mm -hmm. everywhere. The life is just laid out for you. And you see more culture and communities and, and sense of belonging in these minority groups. And white people, I think at some point realize that they want to belong to something as mm -hmm. well. And when you're in minority groups, you get to experience all these things, but you also experience oppression. I feel like white people are like, if I have oppression, then I can claim belonging to this minority group. And it's like, have I ever been, you know, a like have, has anyone ever been prejudiced towards me because I'm gay? Of course. Mm -hmm. Have I led a very privileged life as a white person? Of course. Those are two different circles. Yes, there is an overlap of like white gay that is a, a mm -hmm. like population of people, but to say that they have been oppressed at the same level of black gay people, black trans people, trans people, period, but specifically black trans women mm -hmm. more than anything, there's no way that you've received that level of oppression mm -hmm. as a white person. You just haven't. And if you try to argue with me because you grew up poor or whatever, nope, your life would still be harder if you weren't white. And that is a fact. And I mm -hmm. think that people really have a problem admitting privilege. And it's like, why? We didn't ask for it. So to like not want to admit that it's there, it seems so weird to me. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, I um, don't feel oppressed. Let me just say that as like a white person in the queer community. Obviously, people can be homophobes and we experience a level of things that straight people don't. But intersectionality is so important, like so, so, so important in the equation because no matter what other group you check, your life will always be easier because you even look white or look mm -hmm. whiter or whatever. And obviously I disagree with this setup, but like <laughs> white gay people, like we've, we've been okay. Like compared to like, just chill, you know, just yeah. relax. Yeah. I don't even have much to add to that. I just want to say, I feel like it's more people focusing on their own oppression and ignoring their privilege or thinking that their oppression cancels out their privilege instead of, like you said, looking at the intersectionality of it. And I think, uh, like, if you are a queer white person, use your privilege to boost the lives of non-white queer people and non-white mm -hmm. people in general. Um, and maybe we can try and make things more equal. And that way the things you are oppressed by won't affect you as much if you, if we can like work together to just like abolish these constructs and like the way that mm -hmm. they're perpetuated in society. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're already on kind of an ally topic, somebody else asked if somebody can be considered an ally if they are biphobic, which I'm going to go with no. Yeah, you're definitely not an ally to queer people. Maybe you can be an ally to 
black people but like you have to be intersectional sure. like there are black queer people like black bisexual people I should say um that you are not supporting and therefore being racist and biphobic and homophobic to them so no that's you're not an you're not an ally maybe you're a little bit of an ally to some groups but you're not a good ally let's just put it at that no and obviously like biphobia happens even within our community Mm -hmm. and that's also like whether you call yourself an ally or not because you're like lesbian gay or whatever Mm -hmm. other you know letter like if you're not being cool to the bi people like you're not an ally either to like your own people and they group a lot of letters in there so like you can't be biphobic you can't be transphobic you can't be acephobic that's not a word but you you can't be phobic so no get on or get out yeah fully agree I guess we're gonna do it do another full pivot here Um, (laughs) so how do you cope with disapproving parents that's another question we got I wouldn't describe my parents as disapproving, so I don't have the best answer first hand. Um, but from what I've seen in like people I've dated, the best advice I can give is to set clear boundaries and make sure you stick to them. And that might take a while for you to figure out what those boundaries are, but mm-hmm. you can decide how much your parents are going to be in your life. And that can be determined on what you want, what hurts you and what doesn't whatever factors you decide, but you're allowed to set boundaries for how much they are involved in your life that Mm -hmm. they don't approve of. Well, then they're not privileged to be a part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if you're like financially dependent on them or you live with them, it's okay to keep some things to yourself until you're Mm -hmm. safe enough to share those things like if you finally get your own place or like have the money to not be financially dependent like all these things can come into play with whether that or not could be you your share. boundary yeah like your yeah. boundaries I'm not going to tell them until I've moved out or we're mm-hmm. not going to talk about it again until I've moved out that can be your boundary right yeah and then if they're still disapproving and that's a big issue for you like if they're constantly talking about how they're disapproving if they're not involving your partner and things like it it really depends like are they like silently like seething and like praying for your soul at night okay who cares like maybe you still want to have a relationship with them and can get over that and just like not talk about it very much in depth and you know yeah. maybe they're still like chill with your partner or maybe on the other hand it's very aggressive and they're very very disapproving to the point that it's not safe for you to have a relationship with them like I personally was accepted by both of my parents when I came out but before I fully came out I didn't know if I was going to be and personally I don't know if this is just like me not being very family oriented or what but I was like willing to like fully cut them off if I had to like I'm not like financially reliant on either of them so I you know I was like they don't get to be part of my life then I think a lot of queer people have to um, embrace that life path of kind of cutting ties with family which is very sad and it's their fault not yours of course Um, but I think more people should be willing because not everyone deserves a spot in their life in your life just because they helped create you or because they have a blood relation Yeah, I agree. That's absolutely something that you should earn no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, here is another question. I mean, we're just getting all the serious ones out of the way. Um, why do I feel such bad compet sometimes when I've already acknowledged my sexuality? Because mm. it's hard to get away from. It's embedded into everything. Mm-hmm. And I think even though you've acknowledged your sexuality, maybe you're out, maybe you've been dating people for 10 years, there's probably still at least 10 15, 20 years under your belt of quote unquote, being straight, whether you were or not, whether you were (laughs) acting straight, whether you were having heterosexual relationships, any of that, like there was for most people, there was still like the assumption that you were, um, and like society reacted to you as if you were. So of course it's going to be like ingrained in you. Like it's not something that you just unlearn overnight like the compet is so insidious and so like ingrained in our lives and we've dealt with it for so long of course we're not just gonna snap out of it overnight or after we've learned about it it's probably going to take the rest of our lives sadly (laughs) so another question we got was why is protection important for two people with vaginas having sex like if they've never had sex with anyone else okay if they've never had sex with anyone else then it's not that important because you're not really at risk of spreading. Like the risk is very low. You're Mm -hmm. obviously not getting pregnant, but you're also not going to spread anything because you've never had sex. So you've never had Mm -hmm. anything. Um, It's when you've had sex with other people, when there's then the risk goes up and protection Mm -hmm. is needed. I I guess like, I'm not going to tell two virgins, like you have two virgins who can't get each other pregnant. Like you have to use protection. Um, but like, I wouldn't take that one relationship and think then you never have to use protection ever again. Like there's going to be a lot of situations where you think you don't need protection and you do, Mm -hmm. but the risk is really about protecting yourself from like anything you could contract. And if, yeah, if you've never had sex, then that risk is pretty low. Yeah. I would say the biggest things to worry about in that context are like STIs that were passed from like mother to child since people can be born with STIs um and also like bloodborne STIs like just because this person's never had sex doesn't mean they've never used drugs or that their parent wasn't using drugs while pregnant with like things can be transmitted in other ways not just sexually and there could be things that you don't even know about that are in your body um which is why it's important to get tested and to use protection but obviously the like Gina said, the risk is way, way lower in that circumstance, especially if you're assuming that those other factors aren't coming into play. But just to be safe, I would maybe not assume and get tested right away. And then you can have all the protection-free sex with your one and only. Yeah. The more you know. (laughs) Yeah. Again, talking about sex, what are some unique ways to give a non-op trans woman pleasure. Um, Unique so that was the one I'm struggling with because I'm like, I don't know what I could say that isn't like, I don't know. Right. Some, somebody's already suggested. Yeah. I don't know if I'm the best person to give this answer since, um, since I'm not a non-op trans woman. Um, but this is something that I've heard of in the past. I don't, I can't remember the exact name of it and I don't know how rare it really is, but it's kind of like, I believe fingering, but like 
the insides of their thighs like on either side of like their balls and it's like a a pleasure spot there I don't know the exact term and I don't know how unique it is like that might be a really common thing for trans women I don't know what is necessarily considered unique and what's not um Um, yeah I don't know that I have anything else to add but (laughs) I bet porn could maybe give you some some advice if you get into the right sites and that is another question that somebody asked about porn does everybody always get into porn no some people get into erotica some people get really into the fantasy world in their mind some people get into like writing fanfic and you know that's how they get off like there are so many different avenues for exploring your sexuality and I think porn is just so like mainstream yeah yeah I was gonna say like so like inundated that that's just like what people turn to a lot of the time at first and I think a lot of people do get off to like erotica and stuff but because it's seen as kind of like I don't I, I feel like it's seen as so separate from porn that people don't necessarily consider it a way of like expressing your sexuality or exploring it and and it's more of like um like a hobby versus people do have porn as their hobby but I think a lot more people read erotic books and erotica in general and that's why it's just like not for everybody we all have our own different things yeah yeah. I know people who don't ever watch porn, but they just like use their imagination, think about mm-hmm. things that happen to them. I know people who will like read, you know, the stories or listen to audio things instead of watching videos. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who like don't need to masturbate very often. So they aren't really into those things or like aren't thinking about it at all. Like, so Mm -hmm. people just aren't super sexual, don't have the same libido as others. And that's also okay. Like you can take it or leave it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely used to rely on porn heavily and I don't watch it anymore because I like started to need it during sex too. And I didn't want to have to like rely on visuals to enjoy Mm -hmm. sex. Um, So I just had to kind of quit cold turkey there. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I mm-hmm. do watch porn, but not like every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want like it's not like I'm anti watching porn with my partner, but that's not like something I'm trying to do necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have thought about like, oh, I need it. to, So I have to bring it in. Like, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. point, because I know I know other people who have had kind of that happen. Yeah, I feel like that's more of a stereotype with like straight men. Um, Mm -hmm. but like as a previous porn watcher, that was something that I felt was like kind of taking over my sex life. And I don't know if it was just like a form of like escapism or just me not being able to be fully present and needing like as much external stimuli and internal stimuli as possible, (laughs) like just needing a lot going on. I don't know. There, there's a lot of factors I think that come into play, but I don't think porn is a necessity at all. Yeah. Nope. Do you want to take a quick break there and then we'll come back and answer a few more questions? Yes. All right, we are back. Another question we got, why is it so hard to date girls? 
I don't personally think that it is. Mm -hmm. I think there are different things that can be hard for different people. Like I know queer people, queer women who want to date other queer women, but they like very heteronormative looking women or they don't want anyone that's even like slightly alternative or like queer Mm. presenting necessarily, which can be hard to find um Mm. or like because I'm in a smaller city it was harder to find women that I wanted to date like it can be hard to like logistically if you really connect with someone and it's long distance and it's expensive to really get to know them or even if it's local and neither of you drive like that can be hard like there are lots of things that can be hard about it but in the end I think if it's the I don't want to say the right person because I don't necessarily think there is the right person for you. But if it is a right person for you, then it shouldn't be hard. It should flow very smoothly. But I think things about it could be hard. But I I think that's just like normal life. Like straight people deal with that too, but maybe on a different level. (laughs) I don't think you can put a blanket statement to saying that dating one type of person is easier or harder than another type of person. Mm -hmm. Like having dated people who identify tons of different ways, there's difficulties and easy things about dating anybody. And you can group certain things, especially in like a compact society of like, in it, you know, if you're dating men, this is going to happen. And if you're dating women, it it won't happen. But like, Mm I wouldn't say that one's easier, one's harder, one's more difficult. I think there's pros and cons to dating people, period. And every person is also going to like be a little different, even within Mm -hmm. the same gender. So I get that like we've been conditioned to date men from society Mm -hmm. and that breaking of that, learning new habits and then the proximity and those things are difficult. But if you've done all that and you find somebody that you want to date, whether or not it's hard is just going to be dependent on the person, not mm-hmm. what their identity is. Yeah. And you saying that honestly made me think maybe if everyone that you're trying to date is hard to date, maybe you're the problem. Maybe it's an issue with you. Maybe you're not as emotionally available as you think you are, or you need to uh, work on your communication or something. You're picking bad people. Yeah. For something you. in there is like, if that's like a common theme for you, there might be something going on like internally that's stopping you from having an easy or fun or good dating experience uh, because you are the common denominator there. I'm not trying to like shame you or blame you or anything, but I think it's worth the self-reflection to see why does this scenario keep happening or look for trends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so our next question was, how do I get out of a situation ship? I feel like you of all people as the resident flirt Libra chase <laughs> lover in, in this dynamic, how would you get out of a situation ship? So my honest answer, most of my situationships ended because I got in a real relationship mm. and I not with that up, person, not with that person. Okay. Correct. Like I had some situationships who our dynamic changed pretty, especially in college, like our Mm -hmm. dynamic changed pretty severely when I then got into relationships and they were kind of Mm -hmm. like, 
what the fuck? But I was like, uh, sorry. Uh, I really want to date this person. And I don't know what you and I were doing. We were going to go in circles forever. So I just like yeah. went with the solid choice of the person who I'm like clearly obsessed with and not the person who yeah. I like can't make up my mind on. Oh, forgive me. Um, <laughs> but I don't think like you're just going to always happen to have that fall upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not the only time that happened to me also, like, like even I was kind of in a situation before I met my girlfriend and I met my girlfriend mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I have no interest in you anymore. I met yeah. somebody else. Sorry. And it's not to say like, if I hadn't met my girlfriend, that situation probably would have continued longer. And I probably, I mean, we weren't exclusive, so I would have kept like dating around and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're trying to just get out of the situation because it's just like prolonged, it's course I think you've got different options you can be blunt that's obviously like mm -hmm. just straightforward since it's a situation ship this is gonna be really like I'm just I'm, I'm channeling my when I was like kind of a player days and like sometimes <laughs> you don't want to burn that bridge because you don't know when you're gonna mm -hmm. want them around again mm -hmm. if it's a shit situation ship you <laughs> can kind of take ship. <laughs> well yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's a situation ship, you can just take some steps back. Mm. And then if you if that feels good, maybe text take some more steps back. Mm -hmm. And that leaves it a little ambiguous for if like you want to come back around. Like maybe if they ask you to hang out, maybe you're busy that weekend. Even if you are, maybe you make some other plans and like you just kind of slowly remove them from your life. Mm -hmm. And then that leaves room for like your next breakup, you to text them and be like, Hey, ready to rebound with me? Cause that's absolutely how my brain worked. Mm -hmm. Um, but that worked because that's who I rebounded with when I broke up with the person that I left them for. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like it, for a lot of people, when they try to take step back, steps back, and I know we talked about this in a recent episode, they, they run 50 miles in the opposite direction and just like ghost. And I think there's an in-between of just like completely like shutting down and like cutting off your relationship with this person versus what you said, you know, like taking some steps back, making other plans, being busy, uh, prioritizing other things and still like mm -hmm. keeping a respectful, like vein of communication open with that person. Like just because you don't want to fuck them now and, and they want to fuck you, like maybe you will come back together in the future. Um, I think situationships are a little difficult because it's like, do I have to have a breakup conversation? Can I just stop and not have a conversation at all? I think Honestly, in situationships, it's good to talk about that sort of thing in the beginning if they are like mature and open to those kind of conversations and just saying like, how would you ideally like this to end? Or if we either of us met someone else or just like stopped wanting to hook up, like what's your ideal ending? Like, do you want me to just fade away? Because some people mm -hmm. think ghosting is like the nicer thing to do. Like they don't want to be directly rejected. Like they want to be ghosted. So like there are so many like different ways to approach the situation. Um, another way to get out of a situation ship is to start dating them. <laughs> That's another option. But usually if it starts as a situation ship, it's not going to be the best relationship because things were iffy to begin with. But I'm sure some people have great relationships after situation ships. Yeah. yeah. And it is situational. Like maybe some people mm -hmm. it's worth having conversation because you don't want your relationship to like completely end from the friendship level. Mm -hmm. And then other people, maybe you do just ghost them. Like maybe that is the answer sometimes. So 
Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little bit dependent on like the friendship you have with the person. And that's going to just be because situationships are all really different. Yeah. And sometimes they're like clear what's going on of just like, hey, this is just us having fun. Sometimes it's like, so you've no clue what's going on. So uh, you might have to evaluate your exit based on the level of intensity of your situationship. Mm-hmm. So another question in a high school setting, how do I go about meeting slash talking to girls? I know we've talked before about theater is a really good option. Theater. And the Gay Straight Alliance, if your school has one, anything, marching band, I feel like anything like a little bit nerdy and like also like girls sports are what I'd recommend. Specifically like softball, there's always a trope of queer women being involved in and like soccer and basketball. I don't know. I didn't play sports. So (laughs) those are my recommendations. (laughs) Maybe I'm naive, but I feel like in high school settings, especially in like smaller towns, like everybody kind of knows everybody and kind of knows everybody's dirt a little bit. So like, Mm -hmm. You already know, you like heard rumors. Like even in my high school, there was a, it wasn't a rumor, but there was a rumor going around that I had hooked up with my friend and yeah, it wasn't a rumor. Yeah. But if you like hear something about those people, maybe that's who you like message or DM them, like other stories. Yeah. I also have found out people were gay because I followed accounts like hot Mespian and other like mm-hmm. gay accounts and saw people that I was following from my high school, even yeah. that liked those accounts. And I was like, okay, you wouldn't follow and be liking hot Mespian if you weren't mm-hmm. like at least a little gay, like, yeah. So though, <laughs> I think you can kind of, you kind of have to go about the ways of like, no, without outing anybody, like find the mm-hmm. information that's already out there. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, I mean, in my days, it was like, you would instant message them on AIM instant and, you know, AOL instant messenger. Some people call it AIM. Some people call it like AIM, whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You can now DM people. You have the privilege of like not even needing to know their screen name. You can find mm-hmm. them through a search, but like, yeah, go see what, who's like in the gay things, who's a part of the gay things. And then He'll DM them on the side, listen to the rumors, maybe hit up those girls, see if they're mm-hmm. like willing mm-hmm. to start another rumor. <laughs> yeah, you really chaos. You really have to like hone your detective skills there and do some detective. <laughs> yeah. Stop them dead. You, you gotta put on your little Carmen Sandy Gago Sandy Gayo <laughs> outfit <Stop>. and <laughs> get to work. <laughs> That's hilarious. But true. I try. Yeah, I try. <laughs> All right. So our last question, um, it's how are you all so fabulous and how is your podcast such a good writing aid, which one I want to say, thank you for saying it's a good writing aid. I want to know what you're writing and like what your, what your inspiration is. I'm very interested. Please send it to us. Um, two, Gina, how would you answer the, how are we all so fabulous question? I don't know. Being gay already makes everybody cooler. So mm-hmm. Yeah. We show up. You have a better we, uh, answer than me. We we plug these microphones in and we serve cunt. That's it. <laughs> That's all. Two two girly pops show up. Cunt is served, and history is made. Well behaved. Well behaved girly pops never make history. <laughs> <laughs>
if you would like to compliment us, you can do so. No, just kidding. We do before I get into all of those things. We do actually have a voicemail mm-hmm. question as well. Um, so our very last thing will come from the voice of one of our listeners. Hey, love, this is James from Brooklyn. I want to know who your favorite depiction of a sapphic or lesbian person is in, like, the media. What character, what person in a TV show is your favorite depiction? Hey, bye, love you. One that I would always come back to is, like, just a big heart. Pusey from Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. I love everything about that character. She's so complex. She's so mm-hmm. layered. There's a scene with her rolling a joint. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and I loved her different love, even though some of it was chaotic and fake. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of her being on the screen. And I have a crush on her. So she, that's one of my favorites. I would, I'll never not agree with that answer. Yeah. That was actually one of the characters I was thinking of as well. Um, and then I have a little bit more of like a basic bitch answer. And <laughs> that's both Abby and Ilana in Broad City. They, I just like, I don't know maybe I'm basic, but Broad City is like one of my favorite shows, even like, obviously, obviously it has its flaws, but it has, Mm -hmm. it has some good bones in there. I think like there were definitely some really good parts and I feel like a solid mix of both Abby and Alana's characters. I would say I'm a little bit more Alana personally, um, but I do love Abby's storyline of thinking she was straight and kind of like coming out as queer over the progression of the show. And I Mm -hmm. read Abby Jacobson's book as well, and it kind of talks about discovering and growing into her sexuality too, which was really cool. Um, So I had to. Do you see she recently got engaged? Did I see that? I feel like I did see that. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I saw <laughs> I th- that. I think point. I think I did see that, but like I forgot about it until you just mentioned it. Congrats, Abby. Congrats, Abby. We love you. <laughs> so if you want your voicemail played, you can send us your message by calling 724-209-8877. We also, if you go to the link in our bio on Instagram, we do have a link that you can put anonymous questions. And I saw that that app recently updated where you can also send a voicemail via AI on there. So if you want to send an anonymous voicemail, go to the link in our bio, which is on our Instagram and all of our social media is at Sapphic Survival Guide, except for Twitter, which is just at Sapphic Survival. You can DM us our questions and we do post question boxes. Um, we also will take your questions via email, sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to our Patreon for extras, patreon.com slash sapphicsurvivalguide. As always, leave us a little rate, like, review, all the things. And you can find me anywhere online at The Libra including my website, thelibragina.com. And you can also listen to Um Hello wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mespian on pretty much any social media platform out there. And with that, class is now dismissed. Or study hall, or whatever this was. Yeah, whatever. It's dismissed. Get out of here, crazy kids. (laughs) 